Welcome to another edition of the Nightly Nuge. All week, Mark and I are up here in uh, um, Utah at a great event put on by Mike Saparis at Atlantis Foundation, and they're doing great work with veterans. Um, Ted, I can almost remember back the day when Benghazi happened and you and I on the phone, and I I just remember you saying uh, something to the effect of, how could they have left those people? You know, I mean, you you knew almost the minute the news feed started showing what was going on there, that something wasn't right. Correct? Well, bottom line is, everybody, thank you for celebrating the nightly news because we are the truth, logic, and common sense, A-10, warthog, double-barreled crowbar of we the people. So tell everybody you know there's a nightly news. We're not afraid to tackle these issues, and we're not afraid to attack those who violate their sacred oath to the U.S. Constitution. I'd like to think that all week, we will never, never, ever let anybody forget 9-11-2001 and 9-11-2012 because what happened in Manhattan and what happened in Benghazi was a manifestation of a government out of control, the United States government out of control. I happen to know some of those Marines who were loaded, ready to go to Benghazi to save American lives. And our government and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama told them to stand down. Don't save Americans' lives. You know, Mark, when you're on the rooftop shooting skinnies and protecting the, the, your, your blood brothers and protecting the American values up there on that roof, and your buddies were getting blown to smithereens, you had to know that the, 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 the cavalry should have been on the way. And how painful and heartbreaking was it to know that the cavalry didn't show up. It wasn't even the U.S. cavalry that showed up eventually, and that our own government was stopping the cavalry from coming and saving you. Share with the Nightly News listeners, we can only, we can't imagine. I mean, I've been in some tough situations, but compared to that, I'm like a cakewalk. It's like a, a day on the beach. What was going through your mind? And I think the listeners at the Nightly News, I certainly this listener, and I know Keith does, we want to know what kind of firepower you had, how you were rationing your ammo when it went on and on and on, and the cavalry wasn't showing up. That's, that's quite an elongated question, but take okay. us there. Take us to that. Take us to prior to the rooftop when you knew that you were being attacked and did you have, you must have thought, well, recruits will be coming any minute now. And they didn't. What was that like? You know, for me, uh, September 11th, 2012 started because me and a female case officer, we were out in town meeting with a, uh, um, I call it, we were on a dinner date. We were meeting with a local couple uh, gathering, you know, just kind of talking and telling stories, so to speak, um, is the best way to put it. When I got a call from Tyrone on my cell phone that said, hey, need to get back to the annex and stay away from the consulate. Um, you know, and then I gathered up that female case officer. I got her in the car and that's when we turned on our secure comms and could hear what was really going on. And you could hear the gun over at the consulate. You could hear the gunfire, belt fed machine guns going. You could hear explosions and RPGs. And, uh, you know, the state department team lead came over the radio and said, if you guys, if you don't get here now, we're going to all F and die. Um, and, uh, you can hear that fear in his voice. And the first thing that crossed my mind is, is what are we going to do to make sure that they live? 
Um, I knew I wasn't because I had to make sure the female case officer, I got her back home to, uh, to our annex. The rest of the team um, ended up, after being told to stand down two times by the chief, chief of base, the third time he tried to tell them, they said, you know, hey, F you, gave him the middle finger, went out the gate anyways because – um, there was no one else that was going to come, at least not soon enough to save the ambassador. And, uh, you know, but for me, I was, it's making our way. And, you know, that initial feeling is, you know, I'm, I'm in a soft skin vehicle, me and a female case officer and um, in the middle of a city of a bunch of people that don't like us. And uh, it's a lonely feeling, you know, but. My focus is is making, you know, because my job is to make sure she gets home to her family. And I'm going to do whatever I can, every skill that I've got. And, and biggest thing I can do is pray to the Lord to give me his guidance and protection. And uh, if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have made it back that night. Um, because, you know, we had to avoid a few checkpoints. Um, and a couple of them, there was one of them that was really, really close. I mean, if the vehicle in front of us hadn't been enough of a distraction. We were the second vehicle in line when this impromptu checkpoint came up. Uh, about eight guys coming up into this intersection where I had to turn right, stopped all traffic and was then looking in every car while the car in front of me, instead of stopping, kept driving through, which made everybody on the checkpoint turn and look at them and which gave me an out to kind of, you think you're going to drive away fast, which is what, I mean, you know, the, the the stress you're wanting to, but I knew I had to go slow and I'm driving about 10, 15 miles an hour, just kind of going across the corner and driving down this dirt road. So they didn't look at me. And uh, again, I think, you know, I got to give the credit to the Lord above because all of that wouldn't have happened. That doesn't no make sense, one- Mark, at that, at that point, that really was the hand of God. But when you're in the soft shell vehicle, you had no armor protection. Were you just yeah. carrying a nine millimeter and some extra magazines or did you have long guns with you at the time? No, I had a, I, I always had a long gun at my feet. Um, it's a, you know, a short SBR uh, with a collapsible stock. Um, I would have that at my feet. And, you know, uh, I always, I carry my go bag and in my go bag, I always, I always had at least, you know, between 10 and 15 magazines of uh of green tip or of uh you know 556 fully loaded along with uh extra mags for my pistol as well um what were that you sounds like the stuff i carry when i go to the store for milk and bread yeah, yeah. what was your pistol uh it was glock um you know and i mean i've carried glock for 10 years nine years working overseas uh and uh you know it, Sometimes it pains me to say that, but Glock is a freaking dependable gun. I mean, you can't find much. You want something that when you pull the trigger, you know it's going to fire? Exactly. So over at the the, the consulate, Mm -hmm. once the team got over there, the ambassador, they couldn't find him. Um, There was casualties over there. Uh, When those guys made it back to the annex where you were, I mean, how long until you guys fully realized that this wasn't some little random protest that we're going to be under attack over here in a very short period of time? We have to prepare. For well, you know, I, I call it my six P's. It's prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Um, our planning started long before 9-11. Um, 
every building that we had in our annex, you know, we had taken inch and a half square tubing, cut it up, welded ladders together out of it, bolted it up against the side of the building so we could have quick access up and down. Uh, we had gotten a shipment of ammo about 30, 45 days before um, that we got in and we had over 60,000 rounds of ammo and every magazine. I mean, we took every magazine that we had. Yep. There you go. And we had them fully loaded and at every corner of every building and every firing position or fighting position, we had a 50 cal ammo can that was full of fully loaded M4 mags. So there was, I was not worried about running out of ammo. I mean, there was three Marines, two Navy SEALs, an Army Ranger. Um, you give us 60,000 rounds of ammo. Um, we're going to make sure that we're going people, uh, we're going to, we're going to help people meet, meet, uh, yeah. meet the guy that they were, they're, they're seeking. So, well, we're, uh, we're out of time today. Uh, will you come back again tomorrow night and tell us about the first attack and how the, the it all unfolded, um, yeah. that fateful day in Benghazi. Ted, we'll get Mark back here again tomorrow night and we'll get into the Benghazi story from the, uh, from the annex. All right. Meanwhile, I'm going to go to the store for milk and bread. There you go. <laughs> Amen. That's my man. Well, we'll see you guys tomorrow away. night. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. We'll have Mark uh, tell the story of the initial attack on the annex, um, 9-11-2012. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. God bless you guys. See you tomorrow.